G'day punters, welcome to the Deep Dive, the show that's going to take the best of the wagering data from the weekend, as well as the best of the puntingform.com.au figures. We'll marry it all up, we'll find some horses to follow, but I guess we'll start with a very special guest in Marty Sinan, who's the track curator there at Mooney Valley, and I guess it was... Uh, almost unprecedented what happened there on Saturday, the amount of rain that fell, what happened to the track, and then the results it produced. Marty, it's a pleasure to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Just run us through what happened there on Saturday in terms of the amount of rain, and then also in terms of your experience, what that did to the track. Yeah, I'll probably just start off with the lead up into the meeting. We had a pretty good day on Thursday weather-wise. It was, it was cool, but there was a bit of wind around, and the track was actually on the improve. And um, I was looking at probably hopefully starting off on that soft range, whether it be soft seven or soft six. But um, later that evening, we got a bit of rain. And then when I got in in the morning, I galloped a couple of horses around. Um, and uh, Ollie got off one of them and said, you know, it's, it's in the heavy range. So I thought I'd better go and do another go and stick. So I went and did another one and it came up as a heavy eight. So we um, downgraded the track to a heavy eight around about 10 o'clock. And then uh, we we're happy to start off on that heavy eight as the, as the race went and started. But then... The rain just kept coming and coming and coming and we ended up having a you know up to 20 mil of rain for the day and i think after the first they downgraded to a heavy nine and then after the the second they downgraded to a heavy 10 so naturally that's the heaviest we can go and then um yeah the races were as i probably thought where i thought the track would be a bit leaderish and the rail was the place to be which probably showed in those first couple of races I guess that's the, the funny thing in a way as the day unfolded it almost seemed that if you weren't leading you know and it didn't matter if there were heavy horses or horses with that heavy form in the past it really became impossible for them to make any ground and almost regardless of the tempo they were basically just scooting away the leaders and even they looked to be slogging it through do you have any reason as to why that might be in terms of all the other horses in the field just struggling so much to keep up yeah i don't i can't really put anything on it but um after race five we had a 2500 meter race which naturally they have to do two laps from around about the 700 meters to the winning post and they really get they, they really chopped it out and then I, I was raking back after race five and there was just water everywhere and I've never seen water sit on top of the track ever in my time of being here at the valley like that so I called the stewards and actually told them to come out and have a look and so we come out and we went for a walk you know down the straight and that and then we decided to get a few of the jockeys out who were riding in the next race and I think there was only four in that field and it just it was just unsafe for both jockey and horse so Stewards made the right decision, I think, in calling it off. But um, yeah, I've just never seen so much water on the top of this track like that. And we do plenty of aeration and all that sort of stuff. We only verti drained the track um, two weeks ago, so it normally cops that rain. But I think just because the profile was so wet, it just didn't drain away and it become unsafe. Absolutely. In terms of this winter, rain-wise, what's it been compared with previous years? Has it been significantly heavier this year? Oh, without a doubt. I think I uh, 465 mil we've had for the year so far, which is way above average. Um, I think the year before we had about 280 up to the same time, and the year before we had just under 200. So um, this has been one of the wettest years we've had for a while. Um, and then, as you know, this track doesn't race that well during the winter. That's why we only have those couple of meetings through um, July. And we did have an extra meeting there for Ballarat on that Sunday a couple of months ago. And realistically this was the area that we had that meeting and it was on a heavy nine as well and I thought you know, as much as the track had a great cover of grass and I just didn't think it was always going to hold together for Saturday. Okay so what's the recovery looking like for from a meeting like Saturday? Uh, how long are we looking in terms of I guess a full recovery from the track and then what's your plan there for a fortnight? You've got the McEwen Stakes and the Atlantic Jewel Stakes on the same day. Uh, what's the, the thoughts there with the rail position? 
Well, we are in the true for our last meeting three weeks ago and I was originally going to go out about two or three metres and then when I saw the forecast this week, I just decided to go out that five. We don't normally go out five for a Saturday. Probably yeah. three to four metres is the max we go out for a Saturday. But I just thought if we're going to have a wet day and, and do some damage, I'm better off doing that out wide than doing it where we're going to race a, a good race in, in the Fern Stakes in two weeks' time. So the decision was made to put the rail out five metres, which I think was the right decision. Um and yeah, the damage is there. We're to be honest, because we've only had five races on it, it's actually going to rake back really good. We'll fill the track in. I'll run the knives over it again just to get some more air into it. So if we do get any rain the next fortnight, it will drain away. And then we're back in that true position for the fee. And so that part of the track's going to have a good four week break until we race on it again and it should be in great order. Okay. Well, we've seen some various tracks undergo renovations over the last, say, 10 to 15 years or so, and the, the Valley's been over 20 years since it's had a renovation. Uh, in terms of the overall track, there's obviously going to be the, the restructuring of the grandstand and the straight. Is that going to coincide with a, a renovation of the track? Yeah, so the Mooney Valley track, as the Strathair is what's in there now, is 25 years old. Um, most tracks get a really good reno after at least 10 years, maybe 15 max. Um, so the track's done a great job to last as long as it has. Um, there is, naturally, we are going to get a brand new track when the redevelopment happens, but at the moment that's around 224, so we're still four years away. So I'm going to have to manage this track through that next four years. They're not going to rebuild it now or do anything major to it now until that redevelopment happens and that will be a complete rebuild. So that'll be, the straight will get moved, the turns will get moved, everything. The track will be wider. This track's only 23 metres wide. The new track's going to be 32. Um, I'd say there's a fair chance it'll go out to tender, but there's a fair chance I'll go with the strat there again because of the longevity of the one we've got in here now. Um, but that, that decision will be made in three or four years time. And yeah, they'll get a rebuild and we'll be back on a beautiful surface. Is it able, or is it a, a simple explanation as to what the difference is between, say, Strathair and then, say, what we've got at Caulfield or Flemington? Yeah, completely different profiles. They're, they're sandy loam. They're, they are a sand track, but they're, they've got no um, inclusions in it. We have the mesh elements in our track, which gives it stability. Um, we're on straight sand. I mean, I've been at Mooney Valley for well over 35 years, and, and this is the, one of the best surfaces I've probably ever managed. And it is a fantastic track. It's safe for horses. It's always got a bit of cushion in it. It recovers quickly, it drains well. In saying that though, when this track went in, the, the infiltration rate was 900 mils an hour. It's down to about 70 now. And that's why we aerate it so much to try and get that water to still run through the profiles when we do get rain. But um, yeah, as they get older, they start to get more organic matter in the profiles and they do block them up and slow them down. I mean, Flemington and Caulfield and Sandown do major renovations every year to try and stop that thatch layer building up so they can still allow them to drain. But in saying that, Liam's lucky enough to get a, a renovation in the middle of spring or after the Melbourne Cup. Jason's the same. He gets a good renovation after the Caulfield Cup and Tim gets a good renovation in summer, whereas I'm stuck with a, a renovation in the winter. I'm not crying about that, but mm. winter's not the right time to do a renovation. It's, um, you know, grass is slow to grow. The ground's a lot wetter. We had if we had a like an eight-week break in summer and did a renovation like many years ago we used to have no racing in november now i think i have five meetings in november and that used to be our renovation time after cox plate we just don't have that anymore so we just got to deal with what we've got okay well i think in terms of the overall consistency of how mooney valley plays it certainly is the most consistent track for for us here in victoria so i think you know obviously considering the uh the limitations that you have obviously at your disposal it's it's still producing a a good track in terms of being able to predict what the outcome is but uh, obviously saturday was just a, a complete one-off and 
something that hopefully we don't have to see for the for the rest of this year anyway. Yeah, exactly right. I think in my time here, we've had probably one called off meeting from weather, and that was lightning. Um, that was a couple of years ago. We had a, a lot of lightning around. They called the meeting off, and we did have a lot of rain that night as well. And then we've lost a few meetings because of the heat over the last 12 months, which is out of our control again. Mm. So from an actual track point of view, I don't think, you know, for a 25-year-old track to lose maybe one or two meetings because of um, weather and that, you know, it's out of our control and I think it's done a great job. All right, perfect. Thanks for your time today, Marty, and we look no. forward to getting back to the Valley in a fortnight. No, anytime, guys. Thanks for that. Big thanks to Marty Sinan there joining us here on the deep dive. Good to get that, I guess, the the real scientific approach to, to what they do week in, week out and how they're coping. Uh, in terms of the racing, Dickens, uh, there wasn't much of it. And what we did see, you had to be heavily on speed. Otherwise, you just had no chance whatsoever. You got yourself a couple of winners there for subscribers of Alsvin and Dirty Deeds. Um, but I think the most interesting part of the meeting for me was race two, Italia. Uh, there was 1.437 million matched on the race. 1.323 million was on that one horse. And really, I think part of it was the there was one corporate who was offering part of it. 50. Well, most of to all of it was on the, the $2.50 offered by one of the corporates, which seemed unrestricted for the most part. And then people just matching it back through the fair. I think it was just... Really entertaining stuff. Oh, I think it was just like proof of how uh, sexy this sport can be when people yeah. try and bet. That that was a bookmaker trying to actually like bet for whatever reason. It didn't make a lot of sense, like especially after the result. But because Bet Easy put up two fifty about this horse, then you see so much liquidity go into Betfair. Like it was, it was exciting on a boring day, um, and I don't know. Yeah. It was great to see them actually bet, and then the horse was utterly blessed in run. Mark Zara has won the the Valium Award, the Turtle Award. He has gone eleven point three below the all average here. It's as if um, they'd seen the first race, and the jockeys knew it was mad on pace. They knew Mark's probably going to lead. They knew this thing's a dollar sixty. We're running for second because they just let Mark get away with absolute murder here. There. Like when you see the like Roland Garros do the same run and win, like you're not going to catch this horse. It was unbelievably slow. Like he's won he across the four metros. Mark's taken the title this week. We've got a couple of uh, repeat offenders, which we'll get to later on. But um, you can't learn a lot from the Mooney Valley meeting. Uh, we just backed Ousvin because I like sniffed it might be mad rail in run on pace, um, which it was. I thought the run of coming around was pretty good. It was better than I anticipated. I thought the horse was way too short, um, but it was a pretty strong effort. I think Miami Bound, maybe one of the only horses you can half stamp out of the meeting. It was a good effort. Um, obviously, it was a lot further, but a good sign to see it get through the, the wet. We know it can sort of perform most sort of surfaces now. Um, I like this Dirty Deeds. We've backed it the last two starts for his two wins. Uh, I wasn't confident that Dean Moore would roll forward, which like really limited the amount that I'd I bet, which I half regret. But I just sort of, and I told you guys, like after Ousman one, I didn't want to give much back because the track just looked like it was really struggling. Um, yeah, Dirty Deeds, nice horse. I think there'd be some nice horses out of that that race, and there'll probably be some nice horses out of this meeting, but just really, really hard to uh, review with any sort of confidence. All right, we'll leave the valley there. We'll get the main man into the swing of things. Shane Sherlio 
had a an enormous enormous meeting three day betting bonanza for his subscribers. Uh, Curly, do you have a highlight besides the entire thing? Um, Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast Sunday, Gold Coast Saturday was like just a, uh, just a seven forget. Gold Coast was excellent. Yeah, Gold Coast was a highlight. We um, we had three early plays, both uh, just thinking one of them we took two fifty about a, a Mick Price horse that had trolled super, and somehow they were betting two fifty from nine till quarter past nine, and it went off at a dollar seventy five. Um, we took six dollars about Jarhead that went off at four dollars. Um, yeah, that those sort of those sort of bets when you you know you taking the good price and they're starting a hell of a lot shorter and winning is just like a double scoop really. All right, well talk talk us through Gold Coast Race Eight. Yeah, look interesting one. one um, I will start by to say that not racing Twitter was not the only people that picked these uh, picked this one up. There was uh, there's plenty of questions from the stewards as well. Just on the just on the way the race was run and the betting, the fixed odds compared to the Betfair, um, amazingly was heavily backed favourite. Um, I think it was as short as 260, 270 on the fixed and um, traded at around 25% premium on Betfair, which is always makes it a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, this horse was heavily backed, like I said, sat last in running and um, sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that punters that are on at a good price are saying, get going, get going. Get into the 400. They're saying pull out and get going, pull out and get going. It just seemed like that the jock just waited and waited and waited and waited to pull out and get going. And, and while he was waiting, the leader, who clearly didn't get the memo, um, was often was often gone and pinched it. And amazingly, was out pulled out wide late and um, you know attacking the line. But the race was race was all over. Oh, I think that to further back up, look how bad this ride was. I wasn't aware of any of this but was watching this race and I laid the favourite in run because I thought he's not going to be winning from there. And if he does, he's a bigger price than what they're offering me right now. Um, you know, as we're betting all over Australia, I'm watching them all and I've got more my quick little buttons to hit if I want to lay something. It, it needed the, the, the leader to stop and this horse to run like an amazing like last 400 to get close. I think there was another horse in the race, Statuesquely. Um, it, 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 I think there, it had some support as well and ended up, ended up bleeding um, at least one nostril. I can't remember if it was one or two exactly, but it did bleed in run. So quite bizarre to see. And this is like the sort of thing that we speak about often when we discuss wagering of races. To see a horse hemorrhage on the fixed odds like that, but a 25% premium on the fair, um, you know, is a real head scratcher. So, um, Stuart asked the question which was great which is all we can ask for um the jockey reported back that he was told to hold this horse up for as long as he possibly could and, and only produce it at the last minute at the last second to uh to let it rip home late but um <laughs> too late <laughs> interesting though how they've crunched the tote you know you don't yeah. see a lot of that it's quite yeah bizarre betting fluctuations there and um Obviously, normally when you see, particularly from that stable, very astute stable, um, the Jay Smurden stable, when the money's on, they normally, you know, they invariably win. You just don't see that gap on the fair to the fix. You just don't see it when the money's on, particularly at the coast. It's, uh, 
some money track and there's some money there's some money runners down there for sure money stables okay we'll head to doombin race two now this was a, a race where straight after the race you sent me a message and said right get the betting data for this so here we go shirley here we go uh, it was a 2,000 metre handicap. It was one in the end by Humboldt current for your combo, Luke Dittman and Chris Waller. Uh, in terms of the overall betting, <laughs> the last half hour of betting, there was 235,000 matched on Humboldt current. Opened at 470, closed at $3.10. And there was just a sustained amount of support for that horse there. The stablemate Mangione opened $3.90, hit a high of 470 before closing at $4.20. There was only 45,900 matched on that galloper. And Mushareb was the other horse that was in the market who was just steadily on the way out there. Opened $4.30, closed at $4.50 with again 62,600 matched. But all the money clearly in terms of the amount matched was on Humboldt Current. Curly, take it away. Yeah, I'm sick on my, dirty on myself here. We, I, I was too late to react. So we took $4 Mushareb uh, earlier in the day, I think I just I had the opinion with the headwinds at Durban that it'd be hard to make ground, and and that would be uh, accentuated in a staying event. So I thought Mushareb leads uh, Mawani Machine on its back. Um, that would be the race, and Mawani Machine's going terrible. Um, so there was a bit of money for it early, and then just the last, you know, it was the last five or six minutes on the fixed odds that really caught my attention here, particularly. Um, I didn't see the COT late, change of tactics come through. It was tweeted. Um, I didn't see it until it was too late. Mangione to roll forward. Um, and I thought that was, you know, quite interesting. Add that to the fact that um, in the last five minutes of betting, I think the last five minutes, um, Humboldt Current went 316 to 290 at the death. Uh, on the fixed, and then you know, Mangione blue, you know, obviously went the other way. It was which, um, is, which is the interesting point for me. So, we've talked about uh, oh, the change of tactics is irrelevant. What's relevant is the cash. So, if they started to back Mangione, then I'd suspect it's going to roll forward. However, this is like a there's two horses from the same yard here, there's a tactical sort of decision to how they're going to ride to suit the other horse. So the exactly. money, the money comes instead of the traditionally the money would come for a horse that's going to show intent. The money came from the smarts for the horse that was going to be suited by the stablemate showing intent. Indeed, at the same time, the stablemate goes three twenty to three seventy on the fixed, and you know traded it for four sixty the fair. You know, as um, as Pistol just alluded to. Straight away, like like lighting in the gates, and normally, like you know, obviously sending out you know the service. I was like, I need to chop out this Humboldt current. It's like it's the go. It's Dittman. It's Waller. It's the winning combo. Ditty. Stable mate. The stable mate has is on the drift with a cot to ride it forward. I know Humboldt currents are back, like going to get back and run on. I was already you know I was already committed that what I thought would lead. So I. I Normally, I would chop that out, but it was too late, basically. Um, anyway, from the 1,000, we were dead on the leader. Um, Mawani Machine, who was, you know, maybe 15s at the 60s or something, um, completely un unwanted in the market. I think it might have SP'd something like, you know, on the fixed odds, it was something like, you know, 12s out to 51s. Um, 
Friendless. Friendless is an understatement, you know. Uh, it's completely, completely out the gate. Uh, so it was uh, half tardy begin. Musharebs led as we wanted it to, wanted it to, and then it, uh, Mangione's up there, you know, settling top three. And then from the thousand, Mwani Machine makes a, a strange decision to pull three deep and, and try and come around uh, the horse in front of it, which was Mangione. Um, so rather than rather than Mick Carl sort of slotting in nicely behind the leader, there was a gap back to the fourth horse. Mick Carl was on Mangione. At the 1,000, Mawani Machine comes around. Mick's got a decision to make. Uh, so he kicks up in the centre on Mangione, and they really um, they really put it to the leader from the 1,000. Um, and then, obviously, at the same time, um, Humboldt Current sitting back in the field, smoking the pipe while the leaders are, you know, are working from that point. From there, you knew it was, um, you knew it was race over. They put it to the leader. Humboldt, Humboldt Curran gets a nice track into the race um, and then, you know, put it away. I thought Musharebs... Then, then you spend the next sort of three or four minutes just talking to yourself about, like, yeah. Shane, Shane, oh. you, you fucking knew that was going to happen. Knew that was going to happen. Knew it was going to happen. Why weren't you on it? Look, I'm not saying that the overall speed or anything like that, you know, of that race was... was yeah, but know, I don't think... I, I think, like, the, the game's up on... If you go fast, it doesn't suit a particular horse. What happens is, if you increase through sections of races or slow through sections of races, it suits certain horses. That 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 that's how you set up races. To that, that's how races are set up all the time to suit a certain type of um, profile. Like if they slow from the six to the four, it's easier to make up ground and swoop. If they accelerate from the eight to the all the way home, it's very hard to make ground. Exactly. It's not so much oh they went two two point five to the six or whatever. So anyway, that was um, that was just an interesting one, and it's probably I just wanted to highlight that purely because um, there's, a, there's a learning in that, there's a lesson in that for, for everyone watching at home. What we're trying to articulate is watch the market, try and try and figure the market out, build your notes. Shane's doing this every single day, so he's all over the sort of Waller setup, and there's so much free information via the market as to how this race might have been run. Is what is that what you're trying to say? Absolutely. Just it's more of an educational thing. It was um, like I knew as soon as it was happening that I that I should one hundred percent have chopped out. Um, yeah, obviously it was too late. Um, really enjoyed. Uh, so I couldn't help myself. Like I love I love throwing a bait out on Twitter. Couldn't help myself post race tweets, uh, and it was nice to see uh, both Australian bloodstock chime in that they didn't get the memo either because they owned a Mawani machine. Uh, which was one of the horses that took off <laughs> and um, and then Ryan Wiggins, the jockey on Musharev, chimed in Saturday night with a "I got stitched up" reply to the tweet. So uh, great, great education on markets uh, and stable behaviour, and and great banner as well. So it was a it was a great it was a great one. It was one I wanted to highlight today purely as an educational piece to say to sort of highlight the importance of markets and in, and the signals of intent. And just, just while, while we're up in Doombin, uh, race one, she's done it again. Alex Pattis. Is it a she? Yeah? Yes. Alex Pattis, back-to-back Turtle Awards. She's knocked, She's gone the slowest of the day up there in Doombin in race one on bangers and mayo. Uh, basically, what I'm taking out of this is we've got some repeat offenders. The same repeat offender up in Sydney, which we'll get to after this one. But if Alex is leading a race, they're probably not going to go too quick. Well done, Alex. Back to back. 
<laughs> it's an yeah, interesting one. There's a, there's a few, um, like I said the other week, there's a few apprentices that are, that are riding Brisbane Metro at the moment, which have been thrusted into the metropolitan scene. I think she also rode at Sunshine Coast yesterday, and as I've uh, mentioned many times on the show, I've sw- sworn myself off watching too much uh, Queensland racing, particularly on a Sunday. But apparently, uh, one I backed. Uh, I don't think you followed Curls. I think you left it alone, and uh, left, she, I left it because of the jock. Yeah, and she <laughs> sat four wide and probably should have won. <laughs> it, 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 it's in the black book. It'll be one that we follow. But um, <laughs> Sunny Coast. It was a good day at the Sunny Coast. And, uh, uh, while we're on the Turtle Awards, Pete, we're about to finish it off. Yeah, yeah. Tom Sherry. <laughs> back to back. Scurries, Back to man. back. Not very slow either. Like, just 1.1 below. I think that's great riding. Mm. That's back to back titles for Tom. There's a young rider on the up. Rob Scurry's obsessed with him. And he's gone back to back in the Turtle Awards. Tom flying. Well done, Tom. And we're going to get to Belmont later where we'll get through the, uh, the Peg Nucky. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, just before we leave Doombin, Curls, uh, do you have a horse or horses to follow from that meeting? A couple of interesting results. Um, we Probably one that slipped through, the slipped through really, was um, Aquavite put up another really strong front-running display and recorded some really good figures. I, I thought it's, it was super. I think it uh, about minus uh, seven and a half, 7.7 lengths quicker than average. Um, yeah, the biggest yeah. figure of the day at Doombin. Yeah, which was a really good effort. Um, I have to mention Amici for David Van Dyke. Um, once again, I-, I tweeted this excessively on Saturday. Possibly the best trainer in Australia, David, David Van Dyke. If it, was- if it wasn't for David Van Dyke, Chris Waller would be the best in Australia. Um, he's winning a 26% winning strike rate last two years. Uh, that that jumps to to somewhere just under forty or thirty eight percent when he's got Ryan Maloney on board. Wow. Um, Amici was electric um, from the eight hundred onwards on Saturday. Uh, you know, sitting outside and, and just you know putting putting the win, uh, the second horse away. It was super. Uh, really nice close on the uh, punting form data. Really horse. nice. Yeah. This was a horse that the jockey thought was beaten at a dollar seventy last start because the track was too firm. Uh, it's come out on a good three on Saturday um, and was super. Uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a Queensland black type race for it off the back of that effort. And uh, another older older horse, Just Orm. He was um, he was electric to the eye, um, uh, and he put a good field away and good old you know, field of old hard hardened sprinters away late. So. Um, we're sort of massive, the next sort of last 200 just on yeah. the next listed sort of event is, uh, there's the 1200 meter uh, listed Wheatwood handicap at Toowoomba, uh, on September 26, which is a standalone Saturday up here. Um, so I anticipate we'll see, um, potentially see those couple of horses, you know, maybe heading that way and, um, get a bit of black type, but, um, speaking of Toowoomba, I was going to say we've mentioned stings, we've mentioned roots curly. What do you call it? when it's shortened in price and the jock comes off. It's a DK special. The operation was a success, but the patient died. We backed the horse at huge overs. It hemorrhaged. It pinged. It didn't actually ping. Jumped away awkwardly. It won the race by about 200 metres. But unfortunately, it stumbled and the the young rider fell off. Yeah, one of those ones. I marked it as the W in the spreadsheet. Um, It won. It just did a weight in life. (laughs) About fifty-six kilos light. Um, 
Nathan Evans rode the horse and he was just, he began well and a few kicked up inside him and then he just restrained just to sort of still be able to pop fourth one off the fence in a beautiful stalking position in his mind going on to win by seven. And um, yeah, just clipped the heels of the one in front and went out and sort of just put in a like a dip for a stride and it just just, just was enough to, to slip him off over the neck. Uh, he was taken to hospital. I, I got touched base with him on Sunday morning at a fractured leg. Um, so I uh, wish Nathan all the best there. And it was just uh, it's a little bit unfortunate event. But it's not a roar. It's not a sting. But I have to mention the sting just before I finish up in Queensland. Um, I have to... Um, I have Look, to mention this one here. When, he, when he's pausing, when he's pausing, partners, it means he's getting ready. You know what he's getting ready for? A little screen change. There he is, <laughs> Will Holbert, the trainer of um, the trainer of O Five Glory. What a we're horse! In, we're involved in a little Sunday sting there with Will. He's uh, <laughs> this horse was the, in my opinion, was the best placed horse in Australasia on Sunday. It. Uh, it Resumed in a class two after contesting all the good black type races in Queensland. She chased alligator blood a few times. She ran in the Magic Millions three-year-old. She ran in the you know, all the good races last preparation, chasing the good money. Now, Will um, mentioned sort of after the race that he hadn't had a winner from his last 27 runners, and it was good to get the monkey off the back. And um, it was very good for the mailbag to be on it. I think we took $3. They were betting $3 around top sport and tab and everywhere. Two two ninety was the shortest everywhere from nine to nine oh five and uh, was heavily back late uh, on the speed and got the money. So cheers to Will and uh, 05 Glory for the Sunday sting. There's nothing better. I was walking the dog with the kid and you just I know that race is about to go and then when you just if you hear like one little vibration in your pocket, it could be like Ross going, Oh fucking slaughtered it. But when it just keeps buzzing, you're like Yeah. <laughs> But the Sunday, Sunday. And, and bloody Cam Dean's AFL stuff. He bet in the three games, collecting every one of them. Unbelievable day for the mailbag. Huge. All right, Dickens. You mentioned P. Nucky in oh, the P. Nucky. Turtle Award. He's won it. He's won it. He's won it with 7.7 below. Look, that's pretty slow. Uh, we hit the Belmont mm. pistol. Talk to me about P. Nucky and then talk to me about your pony, which might be the most impressive horse to come out of the meeting, Montalina. Uh, P. Nucky, very good front-running jock, but he is one of those who, if he gets to the front, will often go at a slightly slower tempo, so you're never too confident that they're hooning along. Um, often rides Fabergino when she's racing over here as well, so uh, he'll be teaming up with her if and when she races around later this spring. It depends if she's actually coming over here. We'll wait and see on that. Um, it was just a maiden race, though. They're typically going to be the slowest on the card because they're... To be fair, probably not very quick horses. Um, just a meeting at Belmont, there was five horses that were pretty close in terms of the overall best figures on punting form. Massimo was the winner there, which first start over 16.50, I thought was really strong through the line. That horse just keeps going and going and going. Um, I was willing to be against it and got completely burnt there. Uh, second on the podium was Money Matters, who just edged out Highland. Oh, Bay. don't bring up that. <laughs> We were on Highland Because Bay. we were flying, and I'm sick, as I talked about at Gold Coast Race 8, I just got <laughs> stuck into this thing in run. I just got I stuck in. Why. I was like, this is pizza. I know, I know. Like, I texted you after the race, said, like, that thing got the great, it was a great ride. Yep. 
And for whatever reason, I was just laying it relentlessly and run. Oh, God, it was a big swing. Highland Beats come but up I felt, really I well. felt like if we were on the favourite, it wouldn't have got... It was like that sort of thing where it's going to get there, but doesn't. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a moral if it stepped up to 1,200 next start, but it stayed at 1,000, which was, I guess, just a little bit confusing. That first up figure over the 1,000 was was strong by Money Matters, but that horse has come back really, really well. Uh, but Highland Beat for the Ganjimis, they've taken it off the Hayes team. It's run two really strong 1,000-metre figures now. And again, like... It probably goes very close once more next start, but I'm not sure we'll get 14-odd bucks about it. Peter, um, how are you handling... Like, there's probably a lot of negative jockey, jockey switches with Pike not riding there. How do you handle that? Um, I've basically, for a while now, just almost ignored a lot of jockey switches outside of the speed map. Um, the market typically takes a set against certain jock and trainer combinations which is fine but i don't think it's particularly relevant when it comes to to wagering i think it's one of the less important factors so if you're getting a better price you just tend to bet bet up a little bit more i think with the exception of the the grant milana williams team um bob peter's horses i think they are crying out for for pike on a few of theirs we saw leading girl get done as a short commodity on the weekend the price was never really there that i wanted uh, marked it just over even money and it was never never likely but Pike's one of those riders where he's just a little bit kinder. He often goes hands and heels as opposed to getting really stuck in with the whip. Um, you see the replay, Jared Noski's really starting to scrub the horse up into the top of the straight and giving it a bit of a belting. And I just don't think a lot of those horses respond well to that style of riding. So I think that stable's obviously still a little bit vulnerable uh, without the main man there, but he's not going to be there for the for the, for the coming months. So can't take that into account. Um, but as you mentioned, Montalina... Fourth best performance of the day, equal PB for her. First start at the 2000. Nice splits going through the line. She's just on her way to hopefully bigger and better things. Um, DMAX stable is absolutely flying. And um, yeah, it's pretty exciting to have a horse there that will step up to 2200 next start. And hopefully later in the year, might be contesting a few nice races over the staying trip. Who's your favourite rider at the moment in Perth? Uh, Chris Parnham's absolutely flying. Um, he's going really well. Um, Jade McNaught's just going about her business, still riding really solid, as is Kira Yule. Um, but Clint Johnston-Porter is riding like he is the heir apparent to Pike, and he's done it quite yeah, a few Yeah, like, times. who is he? Oh, that's the guy I laid. And then as yeah. he crossed the lawn, the, the great call over there, McAuliffe, is it? Darren McAuliffe. Darren McAuliffe goes, that's a treble for the young man. I was like, yep. oh, shit. Um, I, I still remember back to when I first started doing Mounting Yard Mail, there was a day where we had five units on Silverstream at about 8 to $9, I think, and Johnston Porter flew home on that galloper, got got the win by a, leg, uh, a long neck or so, and but it just looked for all money like it was Pike, and every now and then he can confuse callers because he's got a very similar riding style. So um, he's going really well post-injury, the young man, Johnston Porter. Um, but that was Belmont in a nutshell. It was just a meeting. Let's finish with some positivity, boys. Horse to follow and, and a, your ride of the day. Let's, let's give the jockeys a little bit of a wrap. You had a winning weekend, so why not? My horse to follow from Mooney Valley can be Miami Bound. It's pretty obvious, but I, I think there's a lot of merit to how she returned. And my favourite ride of the day, I think, was actually D Moore on um, Dirty Deeds. To, to show intent and put that horse outside the lead and just... Keep him in a nice rhythm and he's really strong late, getting the horse through its gears. 
Great ride, Dean Moore. Curly. Yes, uh, my horse to follow will be Get Your Grey On um, out of the last race at Doombin. was um, severely unlucky. He was uh, trapped four deep the trip and kept finding the line. It was a really good effort. Uh, as far as jockeys are concerned, probably one one of the hardest working, or certainly the, one of the busiest jockeys, uh, Les Bubba Tilly. So for those that uh, follow Queensland racing a bit, you know that our premier caller in Queensland, Josh Fleming, is from Western Queensland. And Josh is good at, he's pretty accurate with the call, but he's also very good at giving shout-outs pre-race. And he, you often hear Josh giving a shout-out to Les Bubba Tilly. He rode uh, four winners at Toowoomba on Saturday night, and you'll see him at Mackay, Cairns, Rockhampton, Sunny Coast, Brisbane, everywhere. He's, uh, he rides all over the place, and when he comes up the hill, he's uh, he's certainly a jock to follow. And four winners on a, on a meeting is a, is a huge effort, so well done to Bubba. He rode the card extremely well. At Belmont, I think the ride of the day was Clint Johnston-Porter on Freedom by Choice. He actually extricated the horse to three wide, no cover, and got it rolling before the turn. And the horses returned some just strong splits going through the line off a fast tempo. So he just timed that to absolute perfection and was able to get the the job done at a price as well. Um, would have blown out most people first leg of the quaddy with a complete unwanted outsider wins. So uh, congratulations to uh, two dads there getting the, the job well and truly done. Horse to follow, the Lonsdale Lady. That horse won first up. Really good return by it. It's on to uh, bigger and better things, I'd say, later this prep. We'll just touch on uh, some of the biggest match races for Betfair over the weekend. Um, Mooney Valley, despite the conditions, there was four races where there was over 900,000 matched, including two cracking a million. <laughs> which is just extraordinary. We wow. obviously mentioned the, the Talia race, but race three, 929,000. Race four, 1.17 million. Race five, 925. And even race one, which is the lowest matched on the card, was still over 800,000 matched. God um, bless you, Georgie Cartwright, you beautiful woman. Great ride. Exactly. But to put that in perspective, the highest match race at Randwick was 822,000 in race five. That was the race that Roheron won. The group one wink stakes, only 742,000 matched. Um, just goes to show wow. what wagering does when you put on a little bit of extra sauce on top. Um, Doombin, race nine, 623,000 for Run for Glory's race. Morfordville, race 10, 456,000. Race, race 10. One, race 10. The one, oh, what sickos. Won by Jacobite <laughs> Prince. And then in last place, Belmont, race six, 418,000. That was the race. Uh, one by three by Jess Eaton, like the move to go to Adelaide, is just genius on every level because Melbourne, it's like my golf net is blown over and it's too cold windy to even put the thing up at the moment. So I can't even use it, let alone I'm only allowed out of the property for an hour a day. Like it's a shithole as it is. Like you, you, even if you weren't riding winners, it's still good to be out of this state. But she's gone over there. She's riding, I think she rode a treble on Saturday. Her ride on, I can't remember what it's called now, but she sat OSL on it. The, the other things in the market were what five, six lengths off her and she got going on the corner. She's riding really well. You see Jess Eaton on a, on a horse that's like first two in run and you're getting about SP, have a little go in play. I think that's good advice. All right, guys, that's been the deep dive for another week. Uh, we'll be back next Monday to uh, review whatever happens this weekend. This uh, week, Kelly, what have we got, Kels? Yeah. Uh, picking the eyes out of Brisbane, uh, the Metro meeting Wednesday, Ipswich Thursday, um, and then we have the um, the triple banger Saturday again, the Metropolitan meeting, uh, 
with alongside uh, Toowoomba and the Gold Coast. I've got Ladbrokes Park, which is Sandown Hillside, I think, on Wednesday. Looking forward to betting there. And then we've got Mornington on Thursday, so I might try and have a little little bit of a bet there. That track will be fresh and good to go. Uh, and then um, I think it's a Syntho meeting Friday. We'll give that a miss. And then Caulfield Saturday. It's probably a good meeting at Caulfield. What's it called? The Memsey Stakes Day. There you go. I think that's a group race, isn't it? They all the laugh. Yeah, it's know. a group one. It's a group one, the Memsey. So uh, there you go. Ooh, group race. All right, outstanding. All the best to you boys during the week. Go well. If you want to get involved, click the links below. Jump onto the mailbag.com.au. Um, Curly is absolutely flying. Dickens is getting back in, into wards, what, top gear, second gear? What gear are you in at the moment? I think I've got a couple more to find, but we're going great. Everyone's yep. going great. Couldn't be happier, prouder of us all. We've, it's really, everyone's working hard. Everyone's getting their fair crack. I think, I think Rob's flying a little bit under the radar. What he did, like that's the hardest market in Australia, mm. and he, he killed it on Saturday. And I think I think the Groper man's about to sort of hit his straps. Very stiff not to get that, as we've talked about repeatedly. Which you might, which is going to happen when I lay the thing that wins uh, that Groper thing, whatever it was. Money matters. Stiff. Pistol's about to hit his straps. Punters, get on board. <laughs>